Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes the feeling is right You fall in love for the first time Heartbeat and kisses so sweet Summertime love in the moonlight I feel I
everybody, and welcome to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report for this last day of January 31st, 2013. Wow, where has the year gone? Well, I spoke, uh, everybody, I spoke, uh, this is Cool Mike. I spoke with uh, Dr. Jones today. Very excited to talk to him as he's embarking in uh, Camp Lejeune, or Quantico, excuse me, Lejeune. I know. Anyway, and he's uh, doing well. Looking forward to uh, um, listening to the tapes when he's back. Uh, so I'm going to be taking over a show for a little bit every now and then. Um, a lot of times what I want to do is I want to do presets. And what I mean by that is we want to preset the stage for tonight's conservative primetime show um, in different times. Uh Often when we do conservative prime time with Sarge and I and Jermaine, um, we never get past the first topic, and obviously we all know why, because we have a lot of explanations. Um, well, Sarge likes to give long explanations, so sometimes there's information we want to get out there, and uh, Doc Jones was very, very nice to me in, in saying, feel free, uh, he's already paid for the month, and feel free for me to use it. He's always been exceptionally con uh, congenial, and please, as he embarks on a mission uh, with these young boys um, and helping them get their uh, career started, uh, keep all of the soldiers in Quantico in your prayers. Um, for the older for the older guys who are trying to mentor the young ones, especially the ones that Doc is working with, the people who've had really a rough ride. Um, so it would be great. In the meantime, let us remember today's show is dedicated in loving memory um, of Nelson D. Trent. He's of Austin, Texas. He died Thursday um, on an attack in Kandahar. People are still dying in Afghanistan, and it's it's really it's really moving when we read about uh, this individual. He's 37 years old. He joined the military late, and uh, two Afghan civilians were also killed with him. And uh, a spokesperson said uh, they were attacked by a moving vehicle, so basically a drive-by. Um, may he and uh, his family and all involved rest in peace. Trent was assigned to the 56th Infantry Brigade Combat of the 36th Infantry Division in Fort Worth. I will post uh, his, uh, not really an obituary, but the page about him in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, please also keep them in mind. Many soldiers are still in Afghanistan. Many of them are still in harm's way, and let us not forget them. Well, I guess with that being said and done, we look forward to what is to be the month of February. Wow, can you believe this month is already um, basically at its very, very last day? Well, I wonder something. I wonder what history brings us and what has the past brought us. Well, you know what? I guess we need to find out what happened today in history, and we're going to find that out. Let me bring up today in history. Um, I always like to do that to reflect at the at the beginning of a show. January 31st, 1958. America enters the space age, successfully launching its first satellite into orbit, Explorer 1. It happens just months after the Soviet Union launches Sputnik, the very first satellite into orbit. 2001. A Libyan intelligence officer is convicted of murder and gets life in prison for the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 in Lockerbie, Scotland. That's the verdict from a Scottish court convened in the Netherlands. The court acquits a second Libyan in the 1988 bombing, which killed 270 people. 1945. 
Private Eddie Slovik becomes the first U.S. soldier since the Civil War to be executed for desertion. Slovik is shot by an American firing squad in France during the final months of World War II in Europe. 1923. Norman Naylor, one of the great American authors in the years after World War II, is born in Long Branch, New Jersey. And 1797. Composer Franz Schubert is born in Vienna, Austria. Today in history, January 31st, Mike Gracia, The Associated Press. Alrighty, welcome back to the Situation Report of C. Robert Jones. Cool Mike in for Doc Jones. And uh, in today's presidential segment, we are going to look back upon a president who I deem as somebody I wish were around now. A uh, person who was an individual of great integrity, a person who believed in the free market enterprise and in the republic. He didn't like government. He didn't like bills. He vetoed an awful lot. He cut a lot of taxes. Um, he also reduced the size of government. In today's uh, presidential history segment, let's look back on the Roaring Twenties and President Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge was the 30th president of America during a period of economic prosperity. His policy was that government should interfere as little as possible with business and individuals, and he therefore ignored signs that the stock market was likely to collapse. He was born on July 4, 1872, in Plymouth Notch, Vermont. He was the son of a small-town merchant and was raised on the family farm. Calvin Coolidge died on January 5, 1933, at the beaches in Northampton. The career of Calvin Coolidge included the roles of lawyer, politician, and statesman. He received a good education at Amherst College, where he gained a reputation for his public speaking skills. He became the 30th President of America in 1923, and served for six years until 1929. Calvin Coolidge married Grace Anna Goodhue on October 4, 1905. Grace Coolidge was a close friend of Helen Keller, the American author and political activist who was deaf and blind. Calvin Coolidge and his wife had two children. Their names were John and Calvin. The family spoke in sign language when they did not wish to be overheard. Calvin Coolidge belonged to the Republican political party. He was 51 years old when he was inaugurated as the 30th president. Inauguration is a president's swearing-in ceremony. Calvin Coolidge was sworn into office by his own father, who was a justice of the peace. He used the media well as the most photographed person on earth. Charles Gates Dawes stood as the vice president. Calvin Coolidge stood at 5 feet 10 inches tall and was slightly built. He had small, deeply set blue eyes and thin, pursed lips. His red hair turned sandy as he aged. He was a man of simple tastes and known to be frugal and stoic. His nickname was Silent Cal, due to his reputation for not saying much. He even refused to use the telephone while he was in office. Coolidge's policies were aggressively pro-business. Coolidge secured reductions in taxes for wealthy Americans, referred to as the Coolidge Prosperity. Through his public statements, he encouraged the reckless stock market speculation of the late 1920s and left the nation unprepared for the economic collapse and the stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. During his lifetime, he played a key role in major events of the era. Calvin Coolidge was instrumental in passing the Revenue Acts of 1924 and 1926, which decreased personal income tax rates and the Immigration Act. The Kellogg-Briand Pact renounced war as a solution to resolving international differences. During his presidency, Charles Lindbergh made the historic transatlantic flight in his monoplane, the Spirit of St. Louis. Calvin Coolidge died of heart failure on January 5, 1933, at the beaches in Northampton. 
Instead of having the body taken to Washington or to Boston to lie in state, Mrs. Coolidge ordered that her husband's body remain in their home. He was buried at Plymouth Notch, Vermont. So ends our short biography about the life and presidency of Calvin Coolidge, the popular and deliberately hands-off president in prosperous times who ignored signs that the stock market was likely to collapse. The next U.S. president was Herbert Hoover. This video is one of a series covering all of the American presidents and has been created by www.facts-about.org.uk as a free educational resource. This unique collection of videos has been developed to enable... That's really, this is really an awesome collection, you guys. Uh, everybody should actually take a look at it. Um, special tribute, our tribute segment today. We're going to give a tribute to Stephen Goodman. Who's Stephen Goodman? Well, I found him online. And this young boy has done amazing things. Stefan, Robert Jones Hour, we salute you. Hi, my name is Stephen Goodman, and I'm writing 180,000 cards for the troops overseas. I am doing this because my grandfather went to Vietnam and he didn't get any cards. I want the troops overseas to know now that we do care about him and are never forgotten. Last year, Kodak jumped on board and supported Stephen with 20,000 printed cards that he designed. This year, we're excited to kick off a 4th of July event for Stephen's cards. You can support Stephen's cause by visiting www.kodak.com slash go slash Stephen Goodman. Learn more about his cause and find a retailer near you. Personalized greeting cards are a great way to share messages of encouragement, and Kodak Personal Greetings is a great fit for Stephen's endeavor. I'd like to thank everyone that's helped me in my efforts to write 180,000 cards for the troops overseas. Thank you and a happy 4th of July to all our veterans. Isn't that, isn't that just awesome? Just a, a little kid like that, 8,000 cards. Just an idea that every um, person or, or right around the holidays or Veterans Day deserves a card. So he and the kids at school and then it got contagious to the classroom next door and the classroom next door, and next thing you know, the whole neighborhood is doing it. And That's what it's all about, remembering these wonderful, wonderful troops, um, thinking about them. In this, uh, in this somewhat um, indoctrination show um, that we kick off uh, with Doc Jones, it's a special tribute to those, the troops, because to see that uh, so many Marines who have retired are returning to help so many new Marines, whether it's in boot camp. And let's keep in mind, many of these young ones who join our military, they don't come from the greatest of backgrounds. They're not all from wonderful military families that are stable. And uh, they need mentoring. And obviously, Doc Jones has a great career as, as far as in helping uh, individuals with, uh, with individual troubled problems. And I know his friend is very, very good, uh, was actually almost a professional swimmer who helps them more in the swimming. And just these very special young men, when a young pup, um, you know, a young cub is about to hit the jungle for the first time on his own, leaving mom and dad, and he's going to go out there in that world. Well, you know, sometimes it's always great to have a mentor and walk alongside you for some of the paths, paths down the road. Because you never know sometimes when you get to a four-way or you get to a stop sign. Sometimes the difference between turning left and right is life or death. And it's great to have people who have been at those crossroads to help so many of these people. Many of our soldiers, sadly, never return home. 
They never get that walk where everybody is clapping and cheering, where the the um, kind of the stereotypical story where the guy is walking down there and here comes flying down the aisle. It's his princess running into his arms, knocks him over, kissing him, and everybody's clapping, and she's crying, or mom just running in there to give her son a big hug. And let's not forget our female troops who just everybody can't wait for them to arrive to give them some affection and greetings and thanks. Well, as we said earlier, today's show is dedicated in loving memory of Nelson D. Trent of Austin, Texas, who died uh, in Afghanistan Here's your welcome home for all of our troops. judge what judge there's all kinds of judge no my friends when it comes to the judge there really is only one judge who am I talking about talking about judge Andrew Napolitano he is the ultimate judge he's a judge who knows the Constitution almost better than anybody I've ever heard at least and the judge can tell you all about anything. All you got to do is ask. Well, he's also on YouTube a lot, or his videos are also on YouTube a lot. And so I want to know, Judge, tell us a little bit about the Patriot Act. Thank you very much. Last night, with no committee hearings, no opportunity for offering amendments, and no real floor debate, as we just talked about with the governor, the House of Representatives refused to reauthorize portions of the Patriot Act. Freedom Watch salutes all those who voted against the extension of portions of this unconstitutional law. Yay. You have a right to know this. The Patriot Act became law a month after 9-11 with no debate, none, in the House of Representatives and very little in the Senate. In fact, in the House, members were only given 15 minutes to read the proposed Patriot Act even though it's 315 pages long and takes about 20 hours to read. What are they afraid of? The Bush administration cowed the Congress in the days after 9-11 into enacting this monstrosity. What does it do? It permits federal agents to write their own search warrants, bypassing the requirements of the Constitution that only judges can issue search warrants. It prohibits the recipient of a search warrant from telling anyone that he's received it, bypassing freedom of speech. 
The Patriot Act permits federal agents to break into your home, plant listing devices, or seize property, and not tell you that they've done so for 18 months. It requires your lawyer, your doctor, your banker, your computer server, your grocer, your post office to hand over whatever the feds want without a warrant issued by a judge. These are just a few of the glaring and obvious violations of freedom of speech and the right to privacy, all guaranteed by the Constitution that this abominable law permits. Well, parts of that law are about to expire, and the president and the Republican leadership, Republican leadership, want them renewed. And last night, the House said no. Good for the House. Either the Constitution means what it says or it doesn't. Either the Congress meant what it said when it promised to uphold the Constitution or it didn't. This is fairly basic. If the Congress thinks it can change or bypass the Constitution, then no one's life, liberty, or property is safe. Talk about safety. The team- Gotta love Judge Andrew Napolitano. And my friends, isn't it time to hear from today's history, cl- history lesson? History 101 with the Professor Thomas Paine. Talking about a second American Revolution? What? No way. Oh, yes. Led by those wonderful individual Marines and based in Quantico who are enlisted day one or day two of their uh, PT as they start their basic training. We need a revolution. And no better person to deliver it. In 1789 or 1942 or 9-11, If a top government official stepped in front of the people and publicly proclaimed America was a nation of cowards, he would have been run out of the country on a rail, packaged in tar and feathered at least. But that's what happened in 2009, and you did nothing. Have you become a nation of cowards, America? In the greatest show of arrogance and disdain any Congress ever showed any citizenry, your dysfunctionally elite, self-interested, non-representing representatives passed the largest spending bill in history without reading it, and you did nothing. You want them to obey your constitutional mandate and secure your borders, and they ignore you. You ask them to enforce your immigration laws, and they ignore you. You say, stop the madness of handing $300 billion of a bankrupted treasury to illegal alien welfare, rewarding them for making a mockery of your laws, and they ignore you. And now an open defiance of the overwhelming will of the people are preparing more amnesty programs. You say, stop exporting my nation's vital industries to foreign shores, and they ignore you. You say no to using your money to bail out failed, corrupt, and greedy businesses, and they ignore you. You say, implement the E-Verify system so American jobs go to American workers, and they ignore you. If your self-serving Congress were a business, they'd all be in jail now. The biggest traitors among you hold elective office. Only when they feel the almighty wrath of we the people marching in the streets from California to New York shouting we're mad as hell and we want our country back will they get the message they work for you. Wake up, America. While you were playing with the toys of your consumer wealth, you lost much more than your bloated economy of living beyond your means. You lost your representative democracy. Your servants have become your masters. Taxation without representation is tyranny. But still, you look to government to solve problems they created in the first place. You're sucking at the hind tip of a dead cow. Why isn't there a three million person We the People March on Washington? A nationwide taxpayer's revolt. Thousands of cars and trucks surrounding your nation's capital, bringing your failed government to a standstill. 
Democracy doesn't repress power. It unleashes it to we the people. Take it now. They dictated an economic salvation plan to you. Now it's time to stick it to them with a we the people stimulus package. Require all laws that apply to the rest of the country to equally apply to Congress. Start by first removing the elite privileges that place your non-representing representatives above you, not with you. Require all laws that apply to the rest of the country to equally apply to Congress. Repeal Congress's right to vote for their own raises. Balance the federal budget. Force your legislators to do what you now have to do. Live within your means. If you don't, you're committing national suicide. Make Congress pay into the Social Security system. They make laws for it. Now they might be interested in thinking twice before they allow 20 million illegal aliens to reap the benefits of a retirement program the legal citizens paid into all their lives. Long-term power corrupts. Limit Congress from serving more than two terms. That's all you give your president. Let them search for their own 401k plan instead of the gross unfairness of awarding them their full salary for the rest of their lives after only serving one term. Stop paying for lawmakers' insurance premiums. After all, they're only part-time employees. They might pass some laws on the insurance companies if they had to find one themselves. Throw out of office every congressman and woman who didn't bother to read the biggest spending bill in history before voting for it. With the money you save from all of the above, put it into increased salary and benefits for the men and women of the armed forces. They never fail you. Start no war unless you intend to win it. Make English the official language of America. You talk of united we stand, but do nothing to make it happen. Give every legal immigrant a chance to succeed. Not one cent of taxpayer money for illegal aliens. We are a nation of laws and do not reward lawbreakers. Abolish the Electoral College and put the election of the president back in the hands of we the people. Bring back universal service. Two years in the military or two years in community involvement. Ensure your future. Rekindle the spirit of America. Service, honor, and duty to country. Give your young people a chance to understand they are entitled to nothing they don't earn. Wake up, America. You've allowed yourselves to become little more than cowering spectators, watching the nation your grandparents built, the richest, most powerful, most self-sufficient republic in history, with the highest standard of living any nation ever achieved, now in the middle of the greatest unprecedented decline in modern history. The world's only superpower can't defend its borders, balance its budget, win its wars, manufacture its own products, or protect its own currency. Your total government debt obligation in the next several years is approaching the gross domestic product of the entire world. You've diminished the future of your children, grandchildren, and ten more generations of Americans. On September 11, 2001, 300 million Americans put aside what divided them and rallied around what united them. You proudly flew your flags, wore T-shirts that said, These colors don't run. Then your leadership told you to do nothing. Let your professional army do the fighting. Perhaps you learned to do nothing too well. 233 years ago, the silent majority in Boston got fed up with taxation without representation and held a little tea party to prove the anger of we the people is on the march. It started the first American Revolution. Now it's time to start the second American Revolution. Take an envelope. Put a tea bag inside. Simple. Seal it and send it to your non-representing representatives in Congress. They'll get the idea. We're mad as hell and we want our country back. Look in your mirror. There's your leader. Phone your talk radio host. Call for a tax protest. Set your internet communities on fire with the idea. But if you decide to do nothing again, 
then buy a gun. You'll need it. My name is Thomas Paine. Don't give up hope, America. Your country needs a new greatest generation. Answer the call. Get into the fight. It's a good time to be a patriot. The second American Revolution has just begun. Amen. Now, one side in this campaign has been telling us that the issues of this election are the maintenance of peace and prosperity. The line has been used, we've never had it so good. I won't have to worry about putting gas in my car. I won't have to worry about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help him, he's going to help me. But I have an uncomfortable feeling that this prosperity isn't something on which we can base our hopes for the future. The, the key point I'm making right now is that the economy is moving in a positive direction. And yet our government continues to spend $17 million a day more than the government takes in. You're telling me we got to go spend money to keep from going bankrupt? The answer is yes, I'm telling you. We've raised our debt limit three times in the last 12 months. And now our national debt is one and a half times bigger than all the combined debts of all the nations of the world. We're going to raise the debt limit. Uh, we always have. Uh, we will do it again. We have $15 billion in gold in our treasury. We don't own an ounce. I have been informed by the, that the majority plans to block consideration of uh, this amendment, which is number 1367, regarding the transparency at the Federal Reserve. Foreign dollar claims are $27.3 billion. It said that China has now surpassed Japan as the U.S. government's largest creditor, owning at least 10% of all U.S. debt, perhaps as much as $700 billion. And we've just had announced that the dollar of 1939 will now purchase 45 cents in its total value. President Obama is expected to face tough questions over the U.S. decision to pump 600 billion freshly printed dollars into its economy. Now, the move is an attempt to revive the country's finances, but will result in a devaluation of the dollar. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. And it's been said if we lose that war, and in so doing, lose this way of freedom of ours. You'll construct a legal regime to make indefinite detention legal. History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. For some trips, it'll be faster than flying, without the pat-down. Anna was, was picked to go through. Pretty much everybody except the baby was, was picked to go through uh, the, the scanner. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Damn America! That's in the Bible! Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. I've got a core set of values that uh, I think have to be advanced um, and, and that I, my individual salvation depends on uh, our collective salvation. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. 
There's only an up or down. We had an election, and it was about a direction for our country. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the Great Society, or as we were told a few days ago by the President, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. In the end, in the end, that's what this election is about. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. It, over the course of ten years, it would cost what it would cost us. It, it, <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to. The, it would cost us about the same as it would cost. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> oh, those great pieces. Welcome, everybody, to the second half of the uh, C. Robert Jones uh, Situation Report. I'm going to send uh, this break song out to Dr. Jones, along with all the wonderful uh, heroes and wonderful people we have all around the world, our armed forces, but especially those young ones in the Marine Corps space in Quantico. All righty, cue it up, off it goes. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we... tonight our person of the week a man who believes that the first thing a soldier sees when returning to the United States is all important they're glad to see us and we're uh, tickled to death to see them of course because they're our they're our heroes 
Every morning for over a year now, Bert Brady gets up, fixes himself a cup of coffee, and heads over to the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. Not to fly anywhere, welcome home. but to welcome home American troops returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. I went 300 days last year. Brady, a 69-year-old veteran, is a member of the Welcome Home a Hero program, trying to make sure every soldier that comes through Dallas gets a special homecoming. And he's not alone when he goes. Brady has reached out to almost anyone who will join him. And we have people who only come on weekends, people who work. We have people who can't get there during the week. Schools, uh, kindergartens, Christian schools. We have a lot of support from the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Brady's goal is to make the soldiers feel appreciated and proud of their service. Specialist Rodriguez comes with a hug if you like. He's joined by many Vietnam and Korea vets who did not feel that, who did not get a warm homecoming. And they're making sure that it does not happen again, not to this generation of soldiers. We're not going to forget them. Uh, like a lot of Vietnam soldiers have been forgotten, we're not going to forget the soldiers of today. We owe it to them. They're doing a big job for us. When I came home in 1954, there was nobody, no nothing. You are the man. Thank you very much. We're so proud of you all. It's just really rewarding for me. You can't make 200 people happy and not do that. 95% of them are smiling. And you know, uh, you never can tell uh, if one of their buddies died in their arms yesterday. So you get all kinds of uh, emotions coming through the line. How do the soldiers feel? Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> I'm just glad to be back. Sometimes it's overwhelming. It's incredible to see the support and everybody cheering them on. And... It's, it's just nice to be home. But, uh, I mean, we know they took uh, time out of their day, you know, to be... <laughs> When asked why he does this, Brady recalls a moment he shared with one soldier. He said, Mr. I will never forget you. My heart was pounding like, like it was going to burst out of my chest. He said, it's, a, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is, is, is the reception that I got. And so we choose Bert Brady and all the others who come out every day to welcome the troops home. They hand out cookies, but frankly, the smiles, the hugs, and the handshakes are a whole lot more important. Isn't that just an awesome story? Burt Brady, our person of the month. My All right, now. Hi, my name is Joshua. Hello, I'm Samantha. All we're going to play that piece in a minute. I just wanted to cue it up, make sure it's the right piece. The great piece about uh, those who have stereotyped uh, people like us. All righty, well, HBO, how about saluting HBO? Oh, boy, they did a lot of work in the Pacific. Tom Hanks and many, many others. No, they weren't filming a movie. Well, they kind of were. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight, in the conservative situation report, we're saluting the men of the Pacific. And a great story, which is too good to be true. I was in the Battle of Okinawa. I was at Pelilu, Palau, Angar, Iwo Jima. A few pitching engineers in the Philippines. It was an act of altruism to bring all these guys here. We're not forgetting what they did for us. 
To mark the premiere of HBO's new miniseries, The Pacific, World War II veterans who fought across that ocean were flown to our nation's capital by HBO along with Honor Flight Network, a group dedicated to bringing these American heroes to the World War II memorial for their very first time. I can't believe what's going on here. This is an unbelievable welcome. HBO teamed up with American Airlines and Marriott Hotels and Resorts to salute the vets. We call this the honor flight, but we could easily call it the humble flight because we are humbled to be in your presence. This reception brings tears to my eyes. Just to get to spend the day with folks that never asked for anything, never expected anything, and to give them a special day like that, just watch your faces and they'll pretty well sum it up. Coming in the airport into D.C. was one of the most inspirational things I've gone through. But it was great to know that Americans still cared. It was something I'll never forget it. For them to finally get the recognition that they so richly deserve, it is such a privilege. I was in the United States Navy. I was on a tin can, which is a destroyer. Over 250 vets assembled on the mall for a wreath-laying ceremony and were joined by military personnel and government officials, along with some of the cast and the executive producers of the Pacific. When I first heard about this, I just thought it was the greatest idea in the world. Guys who would not be able to make the trip get to make the trip, and we do all the work for them? Well, that's just about the coolest thing I've ever heard. Each of us here shares a mission with HBO and its special guests and that's a mission to ensure that future Americans never forget the difference that was made by those we salute today. Being able to honor the veterans with a wreath and by being able to praise them and remember them with our words, it's like one of the greatest days we've ever shared. A really a great event to see all these guys finally seeing the memorial that none of them had had a chance to see. Those of you here today who served your nation brought hope to the world with these four words. The Americans are coming. For a long time, uh, World War II veterans were reticent to talk about what happened back then. But now they're so proud of their memorial and feel like, by golly, we did make a difference. In fact, they saved the world for freedom and democracy. That's what they did. <laughs> if, uh, if I had to do over again, I'd do it. Words don't do it justice to describe what it's like to talk to a veteran, talk to a man who was there. It makes me feel very proud and honored that, uh, that everyone respects uh, what we did. Every time that you get to meet even one veteran, it's really special. It's about 250 here. That certainly means a lot. I still can't believe what went on today. I mean, it's just tremendous. We celebrate, we commemorate, we memorialize your stories so the world that you saved will never, never forget you. Excuse me for that piece, I'll tell you, it just brings tears to your eyes. Wow. I mean, that's just, that is just an amazing an amazing story. What a great tribute. Wow. All righty. <laughs> Excuse me, I guess I'm a little choked up. Earlier, um, 
earlier this month, as we had uh, we had talked on uh, different shows uh, throughout uh, Blog Talk Radio about certain presidents and uh, about uh, certain new uh, what do you want to put them got departments departments that are out of control and departments that are just uh, basically taking over the uh, rights of people. One department I think we all agree on, uh, well, everyone except government, would of course be the TSA. Um, I found a piece that I really wanted to play about the TSA being way out of control. It's a bit lengthy, but it clearly indicates to you how the TSA has gotten way out of control. It was this past Sunday night here at LAX about 7.30, probably crowded because a lot of people were coming home from the New Year's holiday, when suddenly a man starts acting strangely. He starts saying, I'm God, I'm in charge. LAX police arrest that man, and he turns out to be a TSA agent. The Transportation Security Administration has a new look and new security policies. The changes rolled out on September 11th of this year. The new rules let the TSA employees avoid the same security screening procedures they're paid to monitor. A CBS 2 News exclusive, they're responsible for keeping the skies safe. But we've uncovered a group of TSA screeners at LAX caught on tape allegedly using drugs. Well, they're supposed to keep us safe uh, when we fly and said they may, might be leaving us even more vulnerable to terrorists. How is that possible? A Homeland Security report is slamming the Transportation Security Administration for not keeping track of security passes, uniforms of former workers. Those passes are the ones that grant access to these highly sensitive areas where baggage is screened, where the planes are parked. Last month at the airport in Chattanooga, Tennessee, my three-year-old daughter Mandy went from this happy little girl to this during an ordeal through security. My cell phone has about 17 seconds of this. Here, a TSA employee we've decided not to show is patting down Mandy while my wife holds her. First, they tried a handheld metal detector. Mandy was not in the mood. And the TSA employee, well, in my opinion, did not know how to communicate to her. All of this started after Mandy's teddy bear was taken away for screening through the X-ray. Couldn't catch a guy with a bomb in his shorts aboard a plane bound for Detroit on Christmas Day. But they're absolutely hell on a disabled child with leg braces. The Transportation Security Administration refused to allow a four-year-old disabled boy to pass through airport security without first taking off his leg braces. A Philadelphia Inquirer columnist reports how screeners at the Philadelphia airport made this insane request of a child taking his first flight to Disney World last March. The four-year-old was born prematurely. He has malformed ankles and low muscle tone in his legs, and he was just beginning to walk at the time this happened. His parents told airport screeners their son couldn't walk without the braces, which are made of metal and plastic. But that didn't matter to the screener who insisted that the child had to walk through the checkpoint on his own. When the father, who was a New Jersey police officer, asked to see a supervisor and told him that his four-year-old son clearly was not a terrorist, he says the supervisor told him, quote, you know why we're doing this, unquote. A new low for the TSA agents, you know, the airport screeners making sure people don't carry bombs or explosives onto airplanes. A California woman is vindicated in a year-old case that's going to probably infuriate you. She was arrested 
strip searched, jailed, and brought to trial over applesauce for her ailing 93-year-old mother who she was traveling with. Officers come up and they cuff me and they put me in the police car and by now I'm hysterical because I've never had an encounter with the law. Hayes was sued for misdemeanor battery by one of the TSA agents. Fast forward a year, $15,000, two judges and two attorneys. Everyone, including her family, wanted her to take a plea bargain. But she said in her heart she knew she didn't do anything wrong. The toughest part was they all wanted me to take the plea bargain. And I said, no, I can't do it. And if nothing else, it's an example that I set for my family. And today, a judge in a Glendale courtroom continued the case for six months, told the grandmother of six to stay out of trouble, and the case will be dismissed. It should have happened a year ago. She should never have been arrested. She was arrested at the airport with her elderly mother. She was strip searched at a jail. This should never have happened. Apparently now, uh, passengers can get in trouble at U.S. airports for simply studying a foreign language. What we have going on is the American Civil Liberties Union has filed a lawsuit today against the Transportation Security Authority and the FBI on behalf of a Californian physics student who was uh, detained, handcuffed, and interrogated at a Philadelphia airport for up to five hours. This student, Nick George, was uh, basically detained because he was studying Arabic at university. She was blindsided by officers when she mistakenly went through an airport security with a bottle of eye contact solution. Robin says she was beaten so badly she actually wondered if she was going to die. Her ordeal was caught on tape. Look at this. I just felt myself flying across the room. I thought I was going to die. I was flying from D.C. back home to New York. I got to the TSA screening, and they x-rayed my bag, and they said, oh, she's got a bottle. And I said, oh, that's just my contact lens solution. Feel free to throw it out. And then they took me to the secondary screening area. The officer came from behind, picked me up, and threw me across the room into another passenger and into a metal chair. And then he took my arm and he started twisting it around till I felt it breaking. And I go, oh my God, you're breaking my arm. Then he picked me up, threw me against the metal table. There were three officers beating me up. There were two holding me down while he smashed my head into the table. I didn't know who was beating me up or why. I just kept saying, get off of me, get off of me, get off of me. He gave me a concussion from hitting my head against the table. Here in Chicago, we watched as passengers like this man are subjected to exhaustive security checks. He's patted down, his wheelchair is examined, and his hands are swabbed, all in public view, in a see-through room at the security checkpoint. And he's not alone. It's humiliation. 71-year-old Robert Perry was also taken to a room like this by a TSA agent when his artificial knee set off the metal detector. He yelled at me, no get the belt off. I told you to get the belt off, so I took the belt off. He ran his hands down over and pulled the pants down and went down around my ankles. At that point, Perry was standing in his underwear in public view. He asked to see a supervisor. That made things worse. She was yelling, I have power, I have power, I have power. The power to stop him from flying to Florida with his wife that day to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. Make you feel like you, you have no rights. 
Well, look, first of all, flying is not a right, it is a privilege. Flying is not a right, it is a privilege. Flying is not a right, it is a privilege. Flying is not a right. It's a privilege. Wow. It's the sort of security we've seen a lot of since 9-11 at places like airports and seaports and major sporting events. Now, here at the bus station. To sort of invent the wheel in advance in case we have to, if there ever is specific intelligence requiring us to be here, this way us and our partners are ready to move in at a moment's notice. What we're looking for are threats to national security as well as immigration law violators. We're also looking at one of our main initiatives, which is ball cash smuggling. Cash smuggling. And so past... Gosh, never an end, is there? Just never, ever, ever, ever an end. Uh, the TSA, just so intrusive. It is a privilege to fly. Really. It is a privilege to fly. A privilege to fly. I have a statement in which we're going to conclude the program today. And that is, it's the simple. Asking government to give me equal rights implies that they are governments to give. Instead, I demand that you stop trying to deny me the rights that are endowed to me by my Creator and that all people deserve and are God-given under our Constitution of the United States. End of story. On behalf of Dr. C. Robert Jones and his Situation Report, for January 31st, 2013, I am Cool Mike. Thanks for joining us. The feeling is right You fall in love for the first time Heartbeat and kisses so sweet So much I'm loving the moonlight I
the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.